Listen, y'all, we're starting a new series this morning. I am super excited about it. Four-part series on prayer. We're going to dig deep. We're going to give you some tools uh, that I think are going to be really helpful for you in your prayer life to help it grow, to help it get stronger, and most importantly, to deepen your connectedness to Jesus. Sound good? You with me? You awake? All right. I'm glad you're for that because I'm for that, man. God is good and he's going to work in our hearts and our minds and through the power of prayer because we believe deeply that prayer changes things. And we say that all the time, but we don't always live like we believe it. And so we're going to work on that together. A lot going on today, I know, around our world, in our country, in our community, in our church, we got a lot of folks battling COVID right now, unfortunately, so we're doing some things in our church just to try to do our part in our community. Uh, this is something we can do to love our neighbors, so I know masks and things like that are annoying, but they're just a part of something we can do uh, when it makes sense to try to help. We got the every other pew thing going again, and I know some of that may feel a little annoying, but that's a little thing we can do to try to do our part the other critical thing we can do is be praying. There's a lot of folks, again, uh, some are friends of members, some are our own members here at Galilee, some are family of members. We need to be intentionally praying for them. So we're gonna do that here in just a minute. One other thing, critical thing we're doing today is we are having our big give because we wanna take this beyond just praying for the needs that are around our world. We wanna give, we wanna do something intentional. And we're gonna talk more about that at the end and I'll tell you what you need to do as a part of that. Money's going to be going towards Haiti and uh, also towards refugees in Afghanistan. Uh, we're going to be packing meals for Haiti ourselves, so we're raising the money for that. And then we're working with an organization <clears throat> called Team Expansion. It's a mission group already on the ground, already had boots on the ground, so they were immediately able to start serving, getting essentials to refugees in camps in Afghanistan. Last time I checked, there were at least 57 different camps that they are ministering to, and we can be a part of helping them. So that's something we can do as a church. So we're gonna do that. We'll talk about it at the end, but let me pray over all of this because I know it's a lot of craziness. We need to get our minds right and listen to what God has to say today about prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're so good to us. You've just begun such a great time of worship today. Uh, you've really uh, used these great servants of yours to set the table. Lord Jesus, I pray that our heart and our mind will be focused on growing our prayer life, our connectedness to you. Lord, we lift up these situations in Haiti and Afghanistan and around the world. Lord, we lift up this situation with COVID, again, a pandemic, global issue. But Lord, specifically, even right now, friends, family members of mine and of our church here, Lord, are hurting, are sick, uh, are sad, are overwhelmed. Lord Jesus, we know you are with them. Lord, we lift up those that are joining us online, Galilee online today, some that are staying home to keep themselves sick or to look out for family members. Either way, Lord Jesus, we lift them to you and we are thankful for their presence today. Be with us today. Fill us up to overflowing. Help us to deepen our relationship to you in prayer. You've taught us how to pray. Help us be a people that do what you say. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, so listen, sometimes I think when it comes to prayer, we are, let's just be honest, Sometimes we're just lazy about our prayer life. We just don't put in the time. We don't put in the energy to try to deepen our prayer life, which is crazy to me, and it should be crazy to you, because <laughs> we have the opportunity to talk to the God of the universe anytime we want. 
And we kind of approach that in either a very haphazard way, an occasional way, or we just don't do it much at all. And we find ourselves kind of, again, all over the place. What an opportunity we have. We just sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. We sing that song and it's so true, but we have a friend that wants to connect with us, that wants to know us, that wants to, to dive de- us to dive deeper into him. And that happens in relationship. But we find ourselves sometimes, what? Too inconvenience to pray. Because why? Well, we're so busy. I got so much. It's, I don't know, where am I going to find the time to pray? It's so hard. It's literally that you just pray. Like, it, you know what happens up here, right? Between you and him, you don't have to make a long trip. You don't have to do a pilgrimage. You can just pray. But we treat it like it's this really difficult thing. It made me think as I was writing this message, it made me think about my daughter, Charlotte, when she was younger. She's our youngest child. But when she was younger, she liked everything dipped in ranch. You got a kid or a grandkid like that. I mean, just whatever it was, it could go in ranch. Ice cream and ranch, whatever. I'm just everything, not really, but everything it seemed like she wanted ranch. So the deal in our house was that if you wanted dessert, you had to eat the vegetables. And this particular day that I was recalling, it was salad. She's not a big fan of salad. So we've eaten the dinner. She ate everything else, but she hadn't eaten the salad. And she's, she's trying to get to a Klondike bar, right? We get the Klondike bars at the house. She's trying to get to one of those like, nope, not until you eat the salad. And she's upset. She's frustrated. She doesn't want to do it because she doesn't like the salad. She said, well, do we at least have ranch? And she like looked around the table and her mom was like, yeah, we have ranch. It's in the refrigerator. She just went, oh, just made that noise. And her mom had already made it clear. Hey, you can't, can't leave the table until, until you've eaten this. Oh, she said. Her mom says again, it's in the fridge. She said, she, she made this noise, this sound and this energy about her. You would think that our refrigerator was in Tibet. <laughs> but it's literally just like right there, right? It's just right over there. But instead of getting up and going to get the ranch herself, she just like in frustration, picked the salad up and just ate it all without the dressing on it. You would have thought that we were asking her to go make a visit to the Hidden Valley Ranch itself to get the ranch, but we weren't. It's literally right there. It's just right there if you want the ranch. No, she just, you know, just did this thing real quick just to be done with it. And I think sometimes this is the lack of intentionality that we have around our prayer life. We either act like it's too hard to know what to do, to know what to say, or we act like it's just too much for me to really work at growing my prayer life, deepening my connection to God. It's just too much. When God has made connecting with him one of the easiest things we will do. Now, as we continue to build out the depths of it, yeah, there'll there'll be some work we need to put in. But he is so very accessible. So let's not treat him as if he isn't. I love what Oswald Chambers says in his great devotions. Many of you all read these devotions, my utmost for his highest. He says this, he says, prayer is not a normal part of the natural life of man. Now, why does he say that? What do you mean prayer is not a part of the natural life of man? Well, he's saying that it is not something that we will just stumble into. 
A great and deep prayer life is not like, you know, eating or drinking or breathing. Just like a thing that we do without even really thinking about it. No, no. He's saying it's not a natural part. Listen to what he says. He says, we hear it said that a person's life will suffer if he doesn't pray. But he says, I question that. Okay, why does he say that? So what will suffer is the life of the Son of God in him, which is nourished not by food, but by prayer. When a person is born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him, and he can either starve or nourish that life. Did you hear that? You can either starve or nourish your prayer life. When you've been born again, when you are a new creation in Christ, when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you can either nourish that connection or you can starve it. That choice is up to you. He says, prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished. Want to get bigger, want to get stronger, want to get healthier, want to deepen it? You better eat well. And the way you eat well is you go to the table of prayer. He continues. He says, we too often look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. Listen, this is how he finishes. He says, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. God has established things so that prayer, on the basis of redemption, changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. I found Chambers' writing on prayer helpful for my own prayer life, which is one of the ways that I've tried to build this series around most critically what the Word of God says, but also the things that have worked for me. Because I want to share. I feel like there are things that God has been working on me in, especially over these last couple of years. I have been working with a group of men that are my covenant group. They are my cohort of pastors that are in similar places in life, similar ministries. You guys have heard me talk about them before, but through this process, and even through the craziness of COVID, I feel like we've, we've focused on this and we've had a great mentor. We focused on this idea of, are we just going to go through COVID or are we going to grow through COVID? And I feel like whether you're thinking only about COVID as the challenge maybe in your life right now, I doubt that's the case. I think it's probably a myriad of things. So let me just say this. Are you just going through this season of your life, whatever that season looks like, or are you growing through this season of life? And the way that we grow through this season of life is very basic, but very critical. It is through prayer. And not only am I going to share with you some things that have worked for me, but we're going to begin in the most critical place by looking and seeing what does Jesus tell us to do when it comes to prayer. So go to the word of God, Matthew 6. 9 through 13, Jesus literally taught us how we should pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look, here's one of the most powerful secrets to having a strong prayer life. Are you ready? You ready to write this down? This is a secret. Everybody loves to get great proprietary information. I've got it for you. The secret to having a strong prayer life is to pray. I know you were hoping for a little more, and I'm going to give you a little more, but friends, if we will just start there, God has so much he can do with just that. We, through this whole year, have been encouraging you to pray. We've called this the year of prayer. We've done prayer nights. We've given you prayer guides. We've done intentional things online, various things that we've done to try to strengthen your prayer life. Why? Well, because we believe in prayer. We believe that prayer can change things. We believe, as I said earlier from Chambers, prayer can change us. And that if we will be a praying people, that yes, even through this crazy season we've been in over the last year and a half, God can bring about change. He can bring about growth. He can change hearts and minds. He can reach people with the gospel. He can grow this church. He can grow you. We believe this. So we've been imploring you to be a praying people. And we've tried to give you tools to help you do that. We put two prayer walls right outside these doors. If you exit either side of these doors, there's a prayer wall right there. And the way it works, if you haven't figured this out yet, I'm just literally showing people what we're doing. We have these little pieces of paper there and you just write on them, your prayer request. And then you roll it up and you stick it in the prayer wall. And what happens is, People like me, I'm, I'm actually not in this building a lot during the week because our offices are in the other building, but I will come over here some days just to get a prayer request out of the wall and pray over it. And I know I'm not the only one who grabs these and prays over them because I see them change out. I see some are, you know, new ones there and some of them disappear, which means somebody's taking those prayer requests and praying. We ought to be a praying people. So you guys can do this, and I'm encouraging you to do this today. Visit our prayer wall today, and really every week, every opportunity you have. This is just a concrete thing we've given you to try to help you deepen your prayer life. And oh, by the way, not just to leave a prayer request, but to take a prayer request and pray over what somebody else has written. This is how we love one another well as a church community, how we pray for one another well as a church community. I'm hoping that everyone in our church will do this today. I'm hoping everyone in our church will get even more intentional. If you don't have one of our prayer guides, you can get that back at the Welcome Center before you leave. We've got more copies. We would love for you to finish the year strong. Over these next you know, four months, dig into that. Walk, let that walk with you. We'd love you to be a part of that. Look, we, we have got to be a praying people. I know you know it, but I'm just, I tell y'all all the time, one of my main jobs is to be a reminder. When we see weakness in our church or a hole that needs to be filled, you know what I do? And I pray. When we say, I don't know who's gonna do that job. We've got this need. And I don't know who's gonna, who's gonna handle that. Abby and I will just pray. Hey, we need to pray about this. And for 
to almost 25 years of ministry now, time and time again, when I've been intentional about that, God sends the right person to take care of what the need is. God is working in the hearts of his people. That's you, that's me. If we will believe in the power of prayer and be intentional, God can and will change things. We need to be filled with prayer. I love what Roy Hessian said. He, he wrote this wonderful little book. It's called The Calvary Road. It's an old book now, but it's great. It's really it's short, but you'd love it. You can Amazon it. It's called The Calvary Road. Roy Hessian, H-E-S-S-I-O-N. Here's what he says. The picture that has made things simple and clear to so many of us about prayer, okay? The way we should think about prayer is to think about it, he says, as that of the human heart as a cup. Think about that for a minute. Which we hold out to Jesus, longing that he might fill it with the water of life. He says, Think on it as Jesus, day in and day out, continually passing by you and your cup. And if it is outstretched, if it is upturned, he will continually fill it. But if, let's say because of pride, you aren't there holding your cup up. You're too busy handling it yourself. If, let's say, because of sin, your cup is too dirty to be filled with living water. So because of shame, you keep it away. Let's say that because of doubt, can God really handle this? Can God really change this? Can God really do this? Because of a lack of hope, you feel too tired to raise your cup. Whatever your reason, Hessian brilliantly describes this idea of being a people that continually hold the cup of our hearts up to Jesus and day in and day out, he comes and fills it. Because he alone is the living water that can fill. He alone is the sustainer but we too often, rather than turning to him, we turn towards ourselves. We think we can handle it. We think we can do it. But we, we are not the source of living water. We are not the source of our hope. The vast majority of you in this room and those of you joining us online, you know who and where the source of the living water is, why would you spend time and energy turning anywhere other than there? Look, when I was a kid, we, we would go and visit my grandparents and they had this big field on the backside of their house and you could run across that thing and we did as a kid and it was like a half a mile or a mile from one side to the other, it was so far. We would run and we would play and you know, it's the middle of the summer and so you're hot and you're tired, but we could go to the far side of that field, hot and tired and thirsty, we could go to the far side of the field with confidence. You know why? Because on the far side of the field, there was a spring. A spring with water that consistently flowed. And my grandfather 
had placed a cup on a stick that sat right there by that spring. And we knew where we could go to get fresh, clean, clear, cold water, sustaining water. And we would go and visit that spring. Now, the truth is, sometimes we'd get to the spring, and if we hadn't been there in some time, it would have started to build up with various dirt and mud and things. And you had to clear it out. You had to get all the junk out of the way. But once you did, you could take the cup, and consistently, time over time over time, your cup could be filled again with clear, clean, cold water that brought life. And do you see that our relationship with Jesus is the same way? You may have some junk you need to get out of the way. That's okay. Don't be prideful. Do the work. Put in the time. Ask the Lord to help you find it. Clear it. And then hold up the cup of your heart. He'll fill it. He will. So much of our faith, so much of our prayer life revolves around this one thing. Relationship. Relationship. The best relationships that we have are the ones where we put in the time. We know that. John 15, 7, listen to what Jesus says. He says, if you remain in me, some translations say abide. The word abide, that word is translated literally from the biblical Greek as make your home in. Make your home in. If you make your home in me and my words remain in you, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But how often do we run to Jesus like somebody who's just visiting? It's not really where we've made our home. We're just stopping by because we need something. God bless our neighbors. We are forever running out of an egg or something, and they are always like on point. They always have that random thing that we're out of, and they will help us. But we don't live there. We just go visit to borrow stuff, right? And it's the same way we sometimes go with Jesus. Our prayer life, if we really examined it, if we were really honest with ourselves, we'd say, yes, Nick, sometimes you're right. It doesn't look like I live there. I've got some work to do. And I would just say, I love you. It's okay. More importantly, God loves you. And he's with you. He knows already that you're struggling. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Start to rebuild the relationship. Put the time in. It's, it's, you know, this stuff is not complicated. But we know that, as I said earlier, every good relationship we have are the relationships we put time in. The ones that struggle are the ones where we don't put the time and the investment of energy in. So if we can understand how that applies to one another, so then should we be able to understand how it applies to us and God. It's not complicated. But look, really any kind of relationship, this is not complicated. Even a marriage. Marriage is really not that complicated. If. This is a critical if. 
as long as two people are working on it. If two people are working on the marriage, good things tend to happen much more frequently than not. It's only when only one is working that things most frequently go off the rails. <laughs> Think of it like this. Think about it like when you, you're moving a couch. Everybody in this room has moved a couch at some point, right? Have you ever tried to move a couch by yourself? Now, I'm not talking about slide the couch over. Oh, we're redecorating. We're going to move it this way instead of that way. Yeah, I know you can do that. No, no. I'm talking about pick a couch up and carry it up out of the house and put it on a truck by yourself. No, you haven't done that. If you have, I want to shake your hand. You have not done that. But, but listen, moving a couch is really not that hard if what? You have two people, right? Two people get a couch, move a couch, no big deal, not really that hard. We'll get it, we'll pick it up, we'll move it outside, no big issue. But when one, if one was trying to do it, good luck. So friends, that is our life. Here's the good news about the couch that is your life. God always has his end of the couch. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Amen. He's got his side of the couch. He's carrying it. You Listen, he's doing all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is just come along for the ride. He will do the work in you if you will put in the time. Again, not that complicated, but it takes two. If you don't do your part, well, then the relationship is going to struggle. Now, Jesus gives us the keys to deepening our relationship in what we read earlier through the Lord's Prayer. Remember, I told you, Jesus literally teaches us how to pray. And I know, now listen, it's okay. All of our prayer lives are gonna look a little bit different. Some of you are scattershot prayers, like you're praying throughout the day. Some of you are first thing in the morning prayers. And uh, you know, some of you are late at night. You're gonna have different ways. We're gonna talk about the different styles of prayer in the third part of this series. All of that's fine. But what I'm trying to give you today is some very concrete guideposts that are taken from the Lord's Prayer that I think will help make it even more concrete for you. And you can think of them as these guideposts or these mile markers for you to help build a stronger prayer life. So I've literally put it on here for you. If you did not get one of these, that's okay. We got a bunch more at the doors. When you leave, you can grab one. At the end of this message, there's gonna, this is going to be on the screen, so you can take a picture of it with your phone. Fill this in, because I'm going to give you something to do with this uh, when I'm finished explaining it, okay? So everybody needs to get one of these at some point today. We'll also be sharing this image on social media and all that kind of stuff, too. But these are just tools that have helped strengthen my prayer life, and my prayer is they will do the same for you. I'm just sharing something I believe can help you. And again, I'm sharing these things that I have learned quite simply just by looking more deeply at what are the themes, what are the main issues that Jesus points us to in the Lord's Prayer. So let's take them one by one. The very first thing that he talks about is the Father. 
So he's talking about relationship. He's talking about his relationship to the Father and our relationship to the Father. When he's teaching us how to pray, he's saying, accentuate this. Lord God, thank you that I get to know you as my Father. What a gift. What a joy. Do you see that as a first guidepost? So we start there. Just as Jesus has taught us. Again, this is not like something I came up with on my own. I did come up with the R's. But this is not an idea that I've come up with on my own. It's just from the scripture. And I've just tried to make it in a form you can remember and maybe more easily guide you to strengthen your prayer life. Second thing that Jesus talks about is holiness. He points out the holiness of God. He talks about the holiness that he has. So it comes down to reverence being the second guidepost. When we pray, let's be sure that in our prayer life, we take the time to revere our Lord. Lord God, you are holy and I am not. I need you. I need your holiness because I cannot be holy in and of myself and on my own. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking all my sin and giving me all your grace. That's what the Lord has done. So we stand in awe in our prayer life of his holiness. So already you're acknowledging him as father. You're deepening your relationship. Already you are acknowledging him as holy, as being something you cannot be. You're deepening your relationship because you're being reminded of how much you rely on him. Third guidepost and the third thing that Jesus talks about, he points to the kingdom of God. He points to the kingdom of God, which he's saying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, which how does that happen? Through the Lord's people, through me and you. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through the, what he's saying is, again, through these disciples, through these people that are following me, may they do what it is you want them to do so that heaven comes a little nearer, so that the kingdom of God that is now but not yet, because it's now, right now, Jesus has instituted the coming kingdom now as a part of the church. That's you. That's me. But it's not yet because there is the eternal kingdom that is to come. So he set you and me on a mission of kingdom work. And in that kingdom work, he, I believe that he is encouraging us to see that realized. So Lord Jesus, help me do my part to see your kingdom be realized. And that's realization on earth as it is in heaven. You see all again, you're deepening your connectedness to God. Fourth thing, bread. Jesus talks about daily bread, the daily sustaining. You're, you are being reminded of how you rely on God. God, remind me that I rely on you, that I can do nothing apart from you. Help me realize this, that my reliance, Lord Jesus, is on you to daily sustain me. Friends, what else is going to deepen your spiritual life more than that? I can't make it without you. 
Everything that I have is not because I'm a great hard worker, and that's awesome if you're a great hard worker, but I don't have all the things I have in my life. I don't have all the blessing I have in my life. I don't have all the sustaining I have in my life, both spiritually and physically, because of me. I have it because of you. So help me remember my reliance is on you alone. Fifth thing is Jesus gets us to focus on forgiveness. Let's be a people that forgive as we've been forgiven. Do you see the value in this? And this is why the fifth R is reset. It is an opportunity for us to reset. Lord Jesus, reset my heart, get my mind right, help me to be able to approach this day and the people that I need to forgive with a mindset that says, I've been forgiven much, so I will forgive much. I've been forgiven much. Oh, my relationship with you, Jesus, is deepening already because I'm remembering. I'm remembering that I am a sinner and you have forgiven me. And as I reset, I'm now going to approach my relationships day in and day out. You see what's going to happen when you do this daily? Day in and day out, I'm going to be better at forgiving. And that's going to deepen my relationships with others, horizontally and vertically with Christ. It's beautiful. Sixth and final thing is this. Jesus talks about deliverance. From where does our deliverance come? Well, we know it comes from God and God alone. Jesus Christ alone is the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him we are reminded that he is the great rescuer. The whole story of the Bible is a story of rescue. God sending his son, Jesus, to save lost people like you and me. So in our prayer life, if we will put up these guideposts and that final guidepost being reminded of our rescue because of Jesus, our spiritual life will be deepened. Our prayer life will be deepened. It will be a beautiful thing. This is so critical. This message, this series is so critical for you, probably more critical than you realize. Because you just don't know. If this season of our world has taught us anything, it has reminded us that we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's next. So part of my job as your pastor is to get you ready. That's my job. And my, my job too is to make sure I'm ready for Jesus to come back and then everything else in between that could happen. And the only way you do that and I do that is if I have prepared myself, you have prepared yourself in prayer. You are deepening your prayer life. That gives you the strength that when things get tough, you don't, you know, fold up or ball up into a, you know, a puddle on the ground. You stand firm. You fight the fight. You do what's necessary to win the day, not for you, but for the cause of Christ. And also for you. You know, yesterday, many of us recognized the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And a lot of us have a lot of emotions and memories that are around that. I mean, you know, for most of us, we could be taken right back to that moment. 
for us and where we were and what we were doing and how that day affected us. And certainly, I don't have to tell you how it's affected our nation and our world. But one of the other things we were able to do yesterday and our world and our country was able to do was celebrate the heroes of that day. There were a lot of people going up when a lot of people were coming down, right? There were a lot of people stepping into danger when others were running away. There were a lot of people that were leaning into God. If you remember that season 20 years ago, there were a lot of people that were searching after God. Why? Because they were scared. And in many ways, there was at least some you know, revival-like aspects to it. But the people that knew the Lord, they found this as an opportunity to go deeper, to grow more, to lean further in, and they were okay. Some turned away, unfortunately, but many grew. They were ready because they knew Jesus. Maybe none more so than a man named Todd Beamer that you probably recognize the name as one of the heroes of United Flight 93. That was the fourth plane that was about to be crashed into what most government officials think was either the Capitol or the White House itself, the Capitol building or the White House itself. Todd Beamer was in the back part of the plane and there was an opportunity as the terrorists were more towards the front for him to sneak into a galley area and get on a phone. And he talked to a woman named Lisa. And Lisa was amazing. She was walking with him through this. And he was saying, once he started to realize more of what was going on in this, Todd did the first critical thing for him, which was say, listen, tell my family that I love them. Tell my wife that I love her. Tell my kids that I love her. Tell my wife that's pregnant with our child how much I love them, how much I'll always love them. Because he already had a sense of how this was going to end. But then he started trying to see what they could do. He got together with other people on the back of the plane. And as you well know, they got a group of people together and they basically said, we're not going to sit idly by and be a part of these people's evil plan. So we're going to do what it takes. They were going to overpower these guys who had box cutter knives. I mean, they were going to do whatever it took to stop them. But before this, And this is the part that's more often been lost to history that more of us got to read about and celebrate yesterday. Most people probably had heard that, you know, maybe that he said a prayer or something and he went on, but here's exactly what he did. As he's with Lisa, he's already asked her to, you know, tell my family I love them, these critical things. And he says, listen, Lisa, will you do one more thing with me? And, you know, they've put all this together from the first-person conversations. They have a whole, a whole history of it. And if you go to the memorial in Shanksville in Pennsylvania, they, they have these recordings. You can actually listen to them. He says, will you do one more thing for me? And she said, yes, any, anything. He says, will you pray with me? And she said, yeah. He knew what he was about to do. And the thing that he went back to his prayer. And so they said the Lord's Prayer together, but not just that. As they and likely the other people that were a part of that group that were about to go, my guess is either many or all of them saying that prayer along with them. And then Todd finished by reciting the 23rd Psalm. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. He recited the entire 23rd Psalm. And then those famous words that, Everyone in this room knows. Okay, guys, are you ready? 
Let's roll. You know, it's a reminder to me when I read that story again of the power of being prepared, of the power of having a deep relationship that is ready and waiting and willing in the crisis moments of this life rather than to run away, to run towards. But that only happens if you've put the time in, if you've strengthened the relationship, if you've leaned on him in times of trial, if you've trusted in him for the increase. And I believe that God is going to do that. I believe that God is going to move and is going to work in your life and in our church. We've given you this tool. Here's what I'm challenging you to do. Take this home, put it by your bedside, put it in your Bible, put it on your mirror. I don't care. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. And once a day for a month, I want you to pray using these six guideposts. And then you tell me, I'd love to hear from you. Hey, here's what this did for me. And it's okay if the honest answer is, well, you know, I didn't really feel anything from that. Didn't really do anything. Didn't really help. Okay. But that's not what I think will happen. I think if you are intentional every day, you take these things more than just, you know, listening today and then being like, okay, he's going to wrap it up here soon, right? Oh, all right, what's for lunch? You know, rather than that, that you actually take this hour of your life that you have invested in this space, worshiping and listening to the preached word of God, and you do something with it. I believe that God will change you and use you to change things. So today we're giving you this opportunity, a couple of opportunities as we get ready to close. Giving you an opportunity here in just a moment, we're gonna take communion. Then we're gonna give you an opportunity for our big give. We've tried to keep the big give really simple. You have these envelopes. You either got this when you came in, and if you did not, you can grab one at any of the tables. There's a table there, there's a table back at the Welcome Center, there's a table by this door. You put your offering in this envelope, and then you either drop it in a basket that somebody will be holding at this door, that door, or in our lockbox right outside these front doors. That's it. And this is your way to take something that we've prayed about, that we've lamented the state of our world and our country and uh, the state of the things that are happening in Haiti and Afghanistan and, and around the world. Again, this is a way we can actually put our prayer into action so we can give. We can make a difference as a church. So that's what you do with that. And again, we've given you this tool to take home and actually use in your prayer life. So lots of things for you to do today. Lots of opportunities for you to use this as a growth time. But maybe none more critical than this time that we have together every Sunday when we come together and commune as the body of Christ. Because this communion time actually gives us an opportunity to just be still, hear from the Lord, confess our sins, and as one of those guideposts talks about, get a reset. So let's just be still before the Lord. Let's think upon Jesus. Let's think upon his sacrifice. And let's get our hearts and our minds ready for communion.